Ultimately, if you're a senior, very senior executive, let alone CEO, strategic decision in, you know, other than maybe attracting and building a team, those are the sort of two biggest ways in which you can influence the business. And it's pretty amazing that there's so little leverage of technology today in that process. And I think it's inconceivable that competitive advantage will not be increasingly uh, linked for you know, executives that know how to do it well. From McKinsey's Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice, I'm Sean Brown, and welcome to Inside the Strategy Room. That was Yuval Atzman, a senior partner based in our London office. He leads our new McKinsey Center for Strategy Innovation, which studies ways to link timeless principles of strategy with new technologies and advanced analytics. Today, he'll share with us how artificial intelligence is transforming strategy development and his view of what's on the horizon. He spoke recently with Joanna Patchner, executive editor of our practice. Here's Joanna. So let's first start with what does artificial intelligence mean in the context of strategy? How do you define that? So I think when people talk about artificial intelligence broadly, not just in strategy, these days they you know, they compile everything that has to do with analytics, with automation, with data analysis into AI. Uh, Marvin Minsky, which was one of the founder of the AI practice in the 60s, uh, talked about AI as a suitcase word, that you can stuff whatever you want into it. And we've all seen that to be the case. And, and we are deliberately comfortable with that when we talk about strategy and AI, because we think that companies should bring in all those different capabilities from things that already exist today in terms of more traditional analysis, but also increasingly automation that would free up management time or analyst time. And you know, gradually what people maybe really mean when they talk about artificial intelligence, which is machine that can augment or replace a human in doing the thinking. So AI has been adopted by many functions within businesses, but it strategy seems to have been immune to its charms. Why do you feel that there has been either resistance or just a lack of kind of enthusiasm for AI among those who develop strategies? I think you're right. We had only about 7% of respondents uh, that we surveyed about usage of AI talk about using it in the context of strategy or even financial planning overall. Whereas in areas like marketing, supply chain, service operations, it was 25, 30% of the companies that were using AI. Clearly not 100. There's still other, many domains that have a way to go in AI, but strategies lagging, all of those. I think one of the reasons it's lagging is clearly it is one of the most integrative conceptual practices. And I think for a lot of executives, they when they reflect on what strategy automation or what it requires, they maybe are going a little bit too far in looking for a vision which is far from being realistic right now in terms of general AI capabilities that can really decide instead of the CEO or instead of an executive, what is the right strategy? And I think they're missing a lot of opportunities to use building blocks of strategy uh, where AI could significantly improve the outcomes of uh, what they're doing. I mean, if you sort of take the analogy that I like to refer to in personal assistance as a consumer user. I mean, many of us 
have been using selectively Alexa or Siri or Cortana for quite a while, but very, very few people use it more than to, you know, dictate SMS or close the lights or, you know, ask the weather forecast and so on. And very, very basic selective usages and don't feel comfortable with more sophisticated case or don't feel that the experience is good in terms of the ability of those applications to understand them, the ability to understand the context of what they're going through. And, you know, I think that similarly in strategy, it's quite hard to get to a system that can really know everything that the executive knows. But the ability to do certain tasks with AI is already very much available for executives to take advantage of today. So you've you've distinguished between things that AI can do now for strategists and things that may be coming down the line. So let's talk about what, what can it do now? What are some applications that executives could use it for today in strategy? Yeah. So we talk about six stages of AI development. And again, as I've said earlier, the earliest of those stages is really, uh, you know, simple analytics, not necessarily sophisticated AI, which we even to some degree refer to as pre-AI, which is descriptive intelligence. Companies create dashboards for whether it's competitive analysis or whether it's granular performance in different parts of the business. Those get automatically updated every period of time, and some of them have a little bit more interactive capabilities to refine and and test. That's kind of the first level. So the, the second level that we refer to is diagnostic intelligence. So diagnostic intelligence is the ability to look backward at analysis in the business and understand root cause drivers for performance that have either gone you know, too positive or, or less positive and try to understand what's really driving that. The next level after that is predictive intelligence, which is really the ability to anticipate certain scenarios or options, the value of things going forward uh, based on both momentum from previous uh, data and other signals that are picked in the market. Now, both the diagnostic and the predictive are very much things that can be done today and can be done better. Uh, Both of those, we think of them as augmentation for the executives. Mm -hmm. So it's really things that you can uh, create the capability. Um, So for example, when we talk about diagnostic, you can actually organize your entire portfolio into segments and you can pretty granularly understand where is underperformance coming from. And frankly, you can do it in many cases in a much more continuous and repetitive manner than analysts have time to do. To try, you can try 20 ways and you know 50 analysis and do it in an hour, as opposed to obviously deploying 100 analysts to, to look at the problem. Predictive is obviously a little bit more both difficult and risky in terms of using AI. A lot of people would say, what if the AI gives me a very bad prediction? And what if I'm something really fundamental has changed from the past to the future? Now, that's, of course, true for human prediction. So this is not to say that the prediction is something to rely on completely. But again, it provides another fairly systematic viewpoint in the room. And one of the key things for AI applications in strategy, because the consequence is quite significant, you want to use AI that is transparent in the sense that you understand why a certain prediction is being made. Uh, What are the extrapolation that are being made from which information. And again, you can then assess if you trust that or not. You can even track 
some of the evolution of the assumptions, or you have the AI track some of the evolution of the assumptions that you've used for that prediction. So those are, I would say, today's levels. The next three levels, and I'll, I'll go briefly, are things that we see will take longer to fully develop. There's some maybe early examples of the next stage, which we called suggestions and recommendation, which is the ability of AI to advise, again, for consideration of the executive, actions that seems to be value creative uh, based on uh, analysis that the uh, machine has done. And then from there, you go to an environment where you actually delegate certain authority to decide for the AI in a constrained environment and with some supervision to a point where you have a fully autonomous AI that can analyze, decide that really it's not anymore interaction with a human in the loop, but it's a fully independent solution. So what kind of businesses or industries are best suited to try to embrace AI in its current level of sophistication? I do believe that probably every business has some opportunity to use AI on something or more than they do today. But clearly, the first thing you would look at is availability of data. Companies that are very data-rich, whether it's data about their own performance that can be organized in a very good and logical way. So, for example, businesses that has a very clear portfolio down to business lines and SKUs and you know inventory and raw ingredients and sort of a logic that is actually quite easy to organize in a very systematic way and draw a lot of granular insights that humans cannot, but machine can out of the data. Companies that have to make few very big decisions with less data are going to struggle uh, more, uh, or companies that have a lot of uh, volatility uh, in them. Uh, companies that you know, depend on external events significantly and don't control their destiny might still want to deploy AI to predict those external events better and try to break it down to things that they can control and cannot control with the help of AI, but clearly don't have the same optionalities that uh, companies with a very controlled and, and sort of systematic portfolios have. So I would say first, data reach to kind of a logical structure of the business. And probably thirdly, the velocity of decisions matters as well. The majority of companies do a strategy every three you know, years, then becomes an annual budget, which uh, in many cases reflects more the political dynamics than the strategic requirements of the business as we've seen in terms of resource allocation. If you think about strategy in that way, the, the role of AI is relatively limited. It might help you accelerate some analysis that are inputs into that. But if you think about strategy as something that every quarter you are rethinking your priorities and you're revisiting big decisions you have made maybe in your strategic process based on a certain assumptions of the world, but the world has changed since. I mean, we have seen pace of changes from the pandemic to inflation to supply chain problems to war in Ukraine to interest rates, you know, speedily rising now. All those things are certainly changing the uh, ROI of different business initiatives, the prioritization of how you should deploy talent and how you should spend your time as an executive, how you should spend marketing money, sales capacity, and so on. Those decisions and the opportunities to rethink those things are almost continuous. And therefore, the value of AI is even bigger, where you have more flexibility to make decisions closer to the day that you're deploying your resources and can 
take advantage of help from AI to signal for you that your previous assumption on value creation has changed significantly from when you made it in your plan. So we talked about broad categories of companies or situations. Can you give us some specific examples of a company employing it to solve a very particular problem? So I think some of the best users of AI, and that might be not a coincidence, are companies that are more AI and digital native. Yep. Uh, in fact, it's companies that have seen massive benefit of AI in other areas and have continuously you know, increased the usage of AI in, in different places. Some of the big tech companies have been among the most innovative in that space. I think the um, example of one of them that has been pretty dynamically looking at their financial planning based on pricing dynamics that they're able to put in the market. I mean, that particular business has relatively uh, high flexibility to demand, not as much flexibility on supply. Mm -hmm. So their ability to use AI to continuously signal sort of situations where pricing dynamics are trending in a way that profitability will significantly get crunched and take action on supply, or vice versa, where they see that there is an indication that demand would improve and then you know, take action to create more capacity faster because their profitability is so sensitive to keeping demand and supply in a good, uh, in a good equilibrium. Given the speed with which things are changing now, doesn't it seem as if AI is really more a tactical tool than a strategic tool? Because it's allowing you to only, you can only think so far ahead because things change so rapidly, right? I mean, it's interesting you're making the distinction between strategic and tactical. And, you know, what I'm thinking about is, of course, every decisions can be broken down to smaller things, you know, and uh, we're... AI can be maturely and fairly affordably used in strategy today are building blocks as opposed to an integrative you know, strategy uh, machine that you know, tells you what to do because of the complexity of the different aspects that are involved in the strategy decision and the consequences for getting it wrong. It might feel tactical, but in reality, it could make a massive difference. I mean, to pick another example, in the world of investment. So one of the world's leading investment firms have started to use AI to, rather than scan companies directly, scan certain patterns of, in this particular case, consumer usage on mobile that were indicative that something is catching up very quickly at a much earlier stage than maybe others could be able to invest in that company and make bets according to that. So for them, that created a very significant strategy edge, even though the tool itself might sound relatively tactical. One of the things we've written a lot about is cognitive bias or you know, social dynamics that can skew decision-making. How can AI help with the kind of biases like sunflower bias? Maybe you can talk about what that is, first of all, and then how AI might be able to assist in overcoming that and preventing it from skewing decisions? So I think when we talk about decision-making and the role of AI to help in decision-making, you know, when you talk to executives, 
the first reaction you get is those are really big decisions. And what if AI gets them wrong? Well, the first answer for that is humans also get them wrong and they get wrong a lot. And interestingly, as the work that, um, you know, Tversky and Kahneman and others have done that you're referring to on uh, cognitive biases have proven some of those errors are actually systematic and observable and predictable. Mm-hmm. So if the first thing AI can do actually in even without replacing anyone's opinion or even without telling anyone what to do, spotting that a certain situation is likely to include a bias. I mean, for example, imagine that you have an AI listening to an executive conversation that is very much the CEO proposed and everyone says, I, with no debate and no discussion, and sort of says into the room towards the end, I think we might have a sunflower bias here, which is to say everyone is trying to sort of get to satisfy the sun, which is the CEO in this particular case, and at least trigger more conversations so sort of remind the CEO that it's in his own or her interest to encourage some, you know, devil advocacy or some Mm -hmm. directions in the same way. I mean, so that's kind of a very basic Mm -hmm. example. But we also have biases of confirmation uh, bias. Um, Most analysis that people do is to prove what they already want to do as opposed to try to get a fact-based reality. Just the fact that there is a default analysis that is done by AI uh, that is not going to satisfy the boss. It's just, you might get it wrong, but it's going to do what, you know, is programmed to do in the best way and try to understand why that is different than maybe the management hypothesis, again, can trigger a much richer debate to overcome uh, confirmation bias as, a, as another example. Another one that I think is a different kind, as you referred to on the social side, is the agency, it's kind of conflict of interest and agency problem. Mm-hmm. Of course, every BU thinks that its BU should get the most resources and it's going to deliver the most value or, you know, at least they feel they have to in order to encourage their executives and, you know, advocate for their business. The, again, AI provides a more neutral and objective way to manage through some of those uh, debates with better uh, systematic data. It also, in fact, even for the executive that is in the power to decide, we... I think all know that because of short-term pressures and the need to make the quarter and make the, uh, the year, people make different decisions on the, you know, on the 31st of December than they do on yes. January 1st or on you know, October 1st. A little bit like Ulysses and the sirens, you, know, you can actually use AI to remind you that you wanted something different. Mm-hmm. three months earlier and maybe do a little bit you know, by sort of forcing you to, in the same way that maybe in diet, we would like someone to remind us that our previous self wanted to avoid that uh, snack. Doesn't mean you will, the CEO still decides, but AI can provide just that extra nudge that would help to overcome some of those biases. It's like you have Spock with you, who doesn't have emotion. That is not a bad analogy for Star <laughs> Trek fans anyway. Yeah. Do you have a favorite application of AI in strategy? Or yeah. several? So, I mean, one, one that I've personally, um, I've worked a lot over the years on resource allocation. And I've, um, you know, also written a number of articles and, and sort of worked with clients very closely on that. And I've 
talked about the um, one of the challenges of resource allocation. We talked about the various biases and social sides, but one of the challenges which we also refer to as the autistic phenomenon of you're always more optimistic about what's going to happen. And AI can actually provide you a much more neutral prediction of what would happen. And because resource allocation is inevitably going to be defined by what you believe about the future, not necessarily about the past, starting from a default momentum case, which is to say, again, this is not perfect, but based on everything that happened in the past and some indicators that are knowable about the future, what is the best prediction if we do nothing? So this is before we say, yes, but I'm going to hire all those people and I'm going to have this new product development and I'm going to do my marketing better and all the different things that every executive thinks will help them over-deliver relative to the past. Having that neutral momentum case, as we call it, which AI can calculate in a very cold, spoke-like manner, can really change the dynamics of how you can do resource allocation. And helpfully also, if you're deploying it over time, can actually calibrate what are the cases that executives disagreed with the AI momentum case and were right. And you might give up one quarter as the senior executive, but not the next quarter, because again, the AI could provide you that reminder system. But I think the Momentum case is actually not a very sophisticated, you can make it very sophisticated or semi-sophisticated, but as I was describing earlier, it is a form of predictive intelligence that is very accessible today. And even if it's not meant to be entirely definitive and reliable and something you should just use as it says, it provides you a basis for a much better decision-making overall. So AI is obviously, uh, it's a technology. Technology talent is, you know, notoriously hard to secure, especially for incumbents that are perhaps perceived as stodgy and not very exciting. So how do you see talent, access to talent as being one of the obstacles to the adoption and embrace of AI in strategy, especially at large companies? So I would make a distinction when you think about talent between let's call them technical machine learning, data scientist talent, Mm -hmm. or software engineers to build some of the digital tools. Because really we're talking in many cases on things that their power starts to work once you have also an interface to continuously store data and decisions. And that is definitely something that is not easy to get. And um, in some cases there are firms that, specialized, there are increasingly platforms that simplify some of those things and require a little bit less for every company to do. But I think that actually for this particular domain of strategy, it's an exciting one. It's a cutting edge one. I think a lot of people would be probably relatively excited, probably a little bit easier to get talent for that than it is to get for manufacturing work on, uh, on AI. But I think the bigger challenge, ironically, is to get the strategist or the people with domain expertise in the business to contribute to the effort. You are not going to solve strategy problem into AI, true in most spaces, without having the involvement of people that understand the type of decisions, what matters, that sort of simulate the user experience of what you're really trying to get to, 
One, they're quite busy. In some cases, the people that know best, like the senior executives, they want everyone else to be in their head, but they don't have time to be the product manager for the team. So it requires quite a bit of, of that. So that's, there's time constraint. Two, and that's even a bigger constraint, in a way, you're asking, in some cases, people whose job will become less important to get themselves you know, out of their job or get themselves a little bit less involved, and which we've seen in other AI domains. Clearly, there's enough opportunities for people to use the AI and stay and benefit from it. So it's not like extreme, but I think it's something companies need to reflect on. And in many cases, maybe the best way to do it is to create a factory for digital and AI that tests and builds those things with some of the very senior stakeholders involved, but not necessarily the day-to-day team, all trying to run it, but use a different team to develop the AI solutions. So this fear you mentioned of job security or potential being automated out of your profession, is it a realistic one? I mean, is AI ever likely to completely replace human judgment? I think that the question of will AI replace human judgment and put humanity out of its job is a, a big and open one that I would leave for bigger experts to answer. From what I'm hearing, the most optimistic people, most bullish about AI, think that that's coming in 20 to 30 years. And uh, the least optimistic thinks that it's between 100 years and ever. Clearly, the bigger question is short-term automation and AI in general in many domains and in strategy. Clearly, strategy will be one of the later domains that people are going to be put out of their jobs. And, you know, we're seeing this, of course, in, in many other domains. But actually, engineering jobs have been created to develop the software. And I think generally the trend has been in the last 20 years, let alone when people have been worried about automation and uh, putting people out of a job over 200 years, the, the trends have been that there's a faster creation of new jobs than there is you know, automation of old jobs, but those are not necessarily the same skills and the same people. So certainly for some people, even in the short term, this could be quite meaningful, but it doesn't you know, take away the fact that in a particular situation, in a particular company, particular business, people have a fear of being exposed for their mistakes or their incompetence or by having a machine do their job better than they uh, do it today. Why are you so interested in this? So you are, you come out of, you know, you've been working in strategy for a long time. Where does this interest come from? Like what sparked your desire to kind of almost specialize in this, if that's fair to say? I don't know if it is, but... First of all, I've always been intrigued in, um, you know, things that are maybe at the sort of boundaries of what seems to be, you know, possible now. A little bit like this sort of second law of Arthur C. Clarke, that, you know, all things start by being, you know, looking impossible before you mm-hmm. make progress in them. And, and this is a particular one that I find very alluring for the fact that it is in very nascent stages. It is something that seems to be of very big consequence for companies and for the profession that I, you know, and my colleagues uh, are doing in the firm and that many executives, ultimately, if you're a senior, very senior executive, let alone CEO, strategic decision in, you know, other than maybe attracting and building a team, those are the sort of two biggest ways in which you can influence the business. And it's pretty amazing that there's so little leverage of technology. 
today in that process. And I think it's inconceivable that competitive advantage will not be increasingly uh, linked for you know, executives that know how to do it well. In some domains, like investment, that is already happening. And the difference in returns can be staggering. I am sure that this will happen for companies. And, you know, to the extent that I think, you know, me and my teams can be part of leading the way for that, I find that very exciting. Thank you to all our listeners for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you'd like to share feedback or an idea for a future podcast, please email us at insidethestrategyroom at mckinsey.com or share your ratings and reviews on your favorite podcast player. Many thanks to all of our listeners who've already reached out and rated and reviewed the podcast. We really appreciate all of your comments and feedback. Please keep them coming. If you'd like to listen to additional episodes, we encourage you to subscribe on your podcast player where you can also access our entire library of previous episodes. You can also visit our Inside the Strategy Room podcast collection page at mckinsey.com ITSR which also includes written transcripts of more than 120 past episodes. Finally, if you'd like to receive alerts on our latest insights on strategy and corporate finance, you can sign up on our practice insights page at mckinsey.com SCF. Follow us on Twitter at MCK Strategy or connect with us on LinkedIn on the McKinsey Strategy and Corporate Finance Practice page. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to having you join us again soon inside the Strategy Room.